You ready? Bananas. You ready, Freddy? Oh, if I can find my pug, we're doing it old school. Yeah. So I got to pay attention. You got to pug it up. Mm-hmm. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of THC True Hollywood Crime. I'm your host, Mariah. This is your host, Bailey. Me, the bee. Me, the bee with the puggy. Mm-hmm. How's it going, bee? It's going. We're just talking about the weather <laughs> and my allergy eyes. It's fucked right now in Northern California because it's cold, raining, and storming after weeks of being up in the 80s and 90s. And now it took a drastic 180 out of nowhere, but all the pollen's out. And so now it's just wet pollen allergy time. Yeah. What a time. Woo! What a time to be alive. <laughs> oh, oh my God. I finally sent Nick a TikTok that like actually made him LOL. Oh my God. And it's just a woman. Around hilarious around a woman trying to like I don't know if she's got groceries or what the fuck she's doing but she's coming out of a car getting into her house and she just trips and falls and she lies there in the driveway and she goes just fucking run me over world <laughs> she's like I'm fucking over it and like her husband comes out like are you okay I oh, no I'm not fucking okay I fell I'm fat and I fell oh no <laughs> He's just cracking up. He's like, you just fell. She's like, I just fucking fell. Just fucking run me over. We've all had those days. Exactly. Enough. Can we wrap (laughs) this up already? (laughs) How much longer are we doing this? So that was fun. Yeah. It just kind of sums things up. It's like world. Just fucking (laughs) figure it out for us. Come on. Nah, it's the end of times. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. I mean... We're millennials. It's been the end of times forever. For since always. we were kids. Since we came since out the Since Columbine. Gates. Since mm-hmm. like 98. For real. I'm sure shit happened before that too. And we were just too young and stupid to, to know what was happening. Anything outside of our bubble. But, you know, fuck it. So, since, what do we do? Do we start with news? Do we start with reviews? All right. So what's in the, what's in the wacky news? What do we do? All right. We're going to start with our news. I guess so. I mean. Yeah. Knives out for Nick and Vanessa. Oh, shit. Netflix is courting uh, Love is Blind superstar couple Lauren and Cameron. Fuck yeah. Everyone wants Lauren and Cam to, to do it. To be the next. Mm-hmm. And they can be so empathetic. Yeah. It's so crazy to hear. I mean, I guess they're doing the best they can. But to hear season after season, Nick and Vanessa somehow try to make their lives like relatable to, no one like, cares anymore, guys. Like, this was just like when we were dating, blah, blah, blah. blah. Like, a million years literally ago. Literally nobody else on earth has done what these people are doing. No. So Lauren and Cam would be perfect. Absolutely. And a uh, fun follow-up. Wasn't our last episode 420-ish? Yeah, because it was yeah, Cocaine yeah. Bear. Mm-hmm. Well, Ben and Jerry co-founder starts non-profit cannabis company where the profit... Well, I guess whatever profits they do get, it goes to grants for black marijuana entrepreneurs. Love it. And it helps to free people jailed on drug charges. Dude, Ben and Jerry have always been those OGs. Yeah. So it's Ben Cohen. He started it. And um, 80% of all profits is going to be given away to this. And um, some of the products include... Ben's best blunts, <laughs> and uh, I guess they call it the B three, and I thought that was super cute. They'll have like pre rolls and vapes or whatever, but I just thought that was really, really awesome. 
we they're, love they're to see all, it. They're always like advocating. They're the best. They've been doing it for years. Yeah, I know. And again, where are they from? Vermont. Who's from Vermont? Bernie. They're just, it's the place to be. Okay. Uh, if I had to live anywhere in New England, it'd probably be there, right? Vermont. I think so. I think they have like the like best schools and. Well, isn't Salem and. No, that's no. Massachusetts. <laughs> but you know how it is over there. It's probably a train right I away. Know. It's not like California. Everything's so close over For there. For real. Um, we've got Beetlejuice 2 is in development. Oh, shit. It is, has, uh, what's his face doing it? Um, so Warner Brothers, I guess, so far. Tim Burton, is he doing it? That's what my question was. I believe so. I can't imagine. Could you imagine somebody else doing it besides Tim Burton? No. Um, but Jenna Ortega is rumored. So Jenna Ortega is slated to play who? Lydia. So they're redoing it or is it a sequel? They're redoing it. Oh. Well, uh, I don't know. It's Beetlejuice 2. Then it has to be a sequel. Maybe okay. she's like Lydia's kid. Maybe. But Michael Keaton, I believe, is still going to be. Beetlejuice. Yeah. You have to have him still be Beetlejuice, but it has to be something where she's like the next generation. Okay. Because you can't redo it. Sure. There's no redoing Beetlejuice. Well, you tell me. But not they wouldn't say Beetlejuice 2, right? They'd be but like. That's, no, I think with the two, it implies. A sequel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jenna Ortega, I mean, great. You can't get better. No. And she's already worked with Tim Burton and they did a great Adam's Family. So I guess so. that was it. I guess she, because be, Beetlejuice 2 has been in the talks for a Forever. while. Yeah, yeah. And so I think like she knew about that going into doing Wednesday. Smart. And I think she was, well, I think she was nervous. She didn't want to compromise the relationship too much because like. She wanted to make sure she still had the Beetlejuice opportunity. Yeah, but I think it's smart because it's she fits in his world so perfectly. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Winona Ryder has been in multiple Tim. I mean, he's used Johnny Depp a hundred thousand times. Um, Helena Bonham Carter, right? Winona Ryder. So I don't think he has any problem mm-hmm. recycling actors for sure. Um, not so much recycling actors, but I do feel like Netflix likes to recycle our podcast episodes. Oh. Because their second season of their monster and thrology series is going to be Lyle and Eric Menendez. Wow. Right. We struck when the iron was hot. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. Again, I don't know. Who knows how much truth there is to the Menendez's story. Right. But I feel like it's kind of fucked up to call them monsters. Yeah. If that happened to them and also like even if it even if it wasn't to that extent it's definitely on record that their dad was a dick like for sure like people snap and i know it's fucked up to kill your parents but some people are real shitty parents man yeah and i it's wrong to do and i'm not condoning their actions but to put them on the same like level as like a ted bundy or a john wayne gacy like a monster well, this is following up jeffrey dahmer that's what he i'm was saying the first season that's so yeah that'd be like the menendez brother you know, like, it's not it's, the same caliber of killer guys it's really not uh and there's very few in this caliber as well poor TV legend Jerry Springer passed away. I know. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace. A legend. Thank you for my childhood, Jerry. For the, real. The amount of daytime television that I used to watch, the amount of Jerry Springer I used to watch was wild. Wild. Jerry Springer, Maury was, I have oh. to admit, Jerry Springer was, like, I did watch it because it was funny, but Maury I was preferred Maury mm-hmm. 
and Jenny Jones. Yeah. Jenny was my girl. Because there was like Sally Jesse Raphael, Jenny Jones, and um God, who's the lady who's also an actress? Oh. Who's the lady that's all? Well, I'm saying because she was a talk Ricky Lake. Oh yeah. But Jenny Jones was my girl. I love Jenny Jones. Amazing. And a little PSA for our listeners. If you hear screaming in the background, it is another slumber party night. My oldest turned 13. Crazy. We can't even talk about it because that means we're a million. Yeah, but, well, no, I just had kids young. In today's standards, yeah. let's just say that. But um, uh, I was just so thrilled when I came home from work and they had their three best friends over and they were all in my garage because there's like a little futon and a TV and everything. Uh, my husband, so sweet, went out and got them all the junk food in the world and like put it all in like bowls for them. There's a fridge in the garage, stocked it with drinks. There's like a microwave if they want to make popcorn or whatever. And they were out there watching Chucky. And I was like, wow. Way to be alive. How this time is, is repeating itself. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Rinse, rinse, wash, repeat. It's literally exactly what we were doing when we were 13. I'm jealous we're not doing it with them right now. I know. And also, I'm jealous that we didn't have a garage to fucking do it in. We were For stuck sure. in the house with our parents. Real, yeah, I mean, with our parents. Like I know. That. And we were in our rooms. But I just mean, I'd love even <clears throat> more separation. It's like they have their own little world out there. I agree. It is an extra level of cool. Yeah. Fun. But that's what we get to provide for our kids. Is that Plus, we got weed. So, <laughs> you know, they have to do it all sober. Right, they're drinking soda. We're fucking <laughs> blacked out drunk. Uh this is a fun one. San Jose Fire Department speaks out on viral strip club incident. A viral strip club incident? Right? Oh, meaning it went viral. So yeah. what was the incident? Apparently, there was a video that I never saw, but it got a strong reaction from locals. Officials say that an unauthorized woman climbed into the fire truck and persisted to get a ride along. Okay. So the emergency vehicle, I guess, was already outside of the historic pink poodle. Yes. <laughs> when, Just coincidentally. When the woman climbed into the cab and requested the ride. And so she was driven partially around the block and returned to the club at approximately 9, 10 p.m. So the video, all it shows is her getting out. Of the fire truck uh, and headed into the. Also, this is just what the firefighters are saying. Who knows? Right. Well, really, the fire truck just so happened to be parked outside the pink poodle. But also, like, if we're going to talk about monsters in past episodes, if fucking Ted Bundy can get a police ride along, like, let a, let a dancer have a good time. Amen. Let the girl get a ride. Also, let have- the, if they're not actively putting a fire out, why not have some fun? Listen, it's my taxpayer dollars, too. I also get to say what happens to them. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking red light special. Siren all the way. I love it. Um... How about do you want to go to the pink poodle now, though? So fucking, you know, it's the next historic? time, the next time I'm in the area, bitch, you yeah. have no idea. Historic. I'm there. I'll be there in July. But I'll be there with my kid. Ditch him. Just leave him at the hotel. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. So exciting. Yeah, we'll be down in Stanford for their first concert, mm-hmm. which is some band that nobody over the age of 19 ever heard of. But you like them. I do like them, yeah, but the only reason awesome. I know about them is, is because, because I have of, yeah. a, a, a child. Uh-huh. Um, 
But they are. They're very cool. They're very mellow. And we'll be there. It's Cave Town. We'll be there at the Cave Town concert. Well, apparently goats aren't mellow because <laughs> in Florida, <laughs> deputies respond to a 911 call about a fight in progress. But when they arrive, it was a pair of brawling goats. <laughs> yeah. I mean, gro- goats can be kind of assholes. <laughs> but I just thought that was so Florida. Mm-hmm. Right? Like a a fight in progress and it's like oh it's just a fucking some, yeah some goats blocking some guy who wants to get his get down the road florida's a wild place i love it i love it so much uh, okay have you read watched seen heard anything i think oh um mm, i've been really painfully busy this week and i'm gonna be horrifically busy all month i'm awesome. so busy you know I me mean? i don't really stress out i'm so busy i'm like should i be stressed because this know. is kind of a lot of things guys that's really not gonna do well for our friendship you're supposed to be the balance <laughs> here know. i'm the stress i'm not stressed out <laughs> yet but if i think about it for too long the urge is there <laughs> um no i just these lovely beautiful schools that my kids go to and the teachers a lot. they're so great they put everything off till may everything's happening in may we have multiple field trips one of them's an overnight field trip out of state it's insane we have kindergarten graduation which my kid's not even graduating kindergarten but But she's still still part of like the ceremony Mm -hmm. we have dance recitals we have concerts like band concerts we have um baseball playoffs which we're trying to start we have um Shit, multiple birthday parties. My kid's birthday plus like multiple friends' birthday parties. I don't even know what else we have. You name it. I got multiple things for kindergarten. We have like a Mother's Day tea that still hasn't happened yet. And like a play day at the park. And it's, I know I'm, I know I'm forgetting things. Well, not to mention. Mother's Day. Us trying to hang out. Right. Us trying to hang out. Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. Podcasting. Of course. Which I don't count that as. (laughs) Does that count as a train? <laughs> <laughs> Choo-choo. Choo-choo. Um, do I just talk be. over it? I wonder how loud it's going to be. Uh, oh, okay, thank God. Thank you. But yeah, it's just, it's a, a lot. lot of things. And I'm like, holy shit, man. And then their last day of school is June 1st. So it's all leading up to like, oh. and then a dead stop. Yeah. Dang. And I can't wait. I know I've said it on this podcast before. I know I've told you. This is the time of year that I can't stand. Like yeah. I, this is when they could have ended school already for all I care. Right. I'm ready to be done. Right. Because I don't ever have to be to work until 10. During the summer, I'm going to be going into work at 12. So for me, it's like a vacation too. Because I'm like, dude, I don't have to get kids out the door in the Bring morning. Mm-hmm. I can sleep in as late as I want. For sure. It's going to be glorious. I can't, Kids stay up. It's anarchy in my house. They stay up all night during the summer. I don't give a fuck. Who cares? Yeah. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Everything goes out the window. Mm-hmm. We're all messes in <laughs> August when it's time to go back to school. But it was worth it. But it was fun. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait. Yeah. But to get it. there, I have to get through this. weeks of stress. So long story short, I don't no. think so. Uh, it's basketball playoffs, which I know you don't give a shit about. Mm-hmm. Of course, I care because my Warriors are in it. So go Warriors. We're down two to one, though. So got to get that. Got to get our game up. Um, I'm still reading my Harry Potter fanfic. Mm. And that's it. What do you think of Taylor Swift and the rumored new boyfriend? I don't really think about him. I only know one song by that whole band, I think. Yeah. 
So, I mean, I hope she's happy. Okay. Do you think that they've actually, like, secretly been dating for years? Like people? No, I don't think for years. I think that's disrespectful to her last relationship. Well, that's why I'm curious. No, I don't think so. She's written, like, three albums about her last boyfriend. Like, that's wild to think that she had a... Another secret boyfriend uh, side thing. But I do think that maybe her and uh, I don't know. I was thinking that her and um, her new ex, Joe, had maybe been um, separated for longer than we thought. Uh huh. But then there was that whole fallout where it's like she they announced the breakup and there was pictures of him crying on a sidewalk on the phone. Oh. And I'm like, oh, that's not good. No, I don't think you should feel sorry for him because then there was pictures of her going out to dinner with besties Blake and Ryan. Mm -hmm. And after that, they both instantly unfollowed Joe. The next day she had lunch. Um, I don't know if you know who the band Heim is, but it's a band of like three sisters. They're also her really good friends. Right. She had a girl's lunch with Heim. They all unfollowed Joe afterwards. So I think he fucked up. Oh. And every time that she is off with her friends, they start unfollowing him on social media. Okay. So I think it might have been his bad. Boom. And so you've, you've heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. The hot take. But that her new boyfriend was at the Eras tour in Nashville rec- like last night or something. Was that a child or a cat? I couldn't tell. I know. That's more my favorite. <laughs> kind of sound like Gary from SpongeBob. <laughs> um but I did think that, like, okay, if he showed up the the Eras tour where he knows he's going to be photographed, it makes me think that they've been serious for longer than just, you know, the last few days or weeks yeah. or whatever. Because that's a big jump to be at a place where you know for sure. Oh yeah, people are going to be photo- like right photographing you. Photographing, <laughs> right? I love it. How yeah, juicy, well. juicy goosey. Ugh. Hi. Hi. <laughs> uh, so speaking of juicy, I watched the new series on Netflix, Netflix Beef. Yeah. With Ali Wong. And I don't know Glenn what it's about, but I know Glenn's Dead. on it. I fucking love Glenn. Anything Glenn's in, I'm in. Oh, yeah. So it's dark and twisted. I heard it was a little controversial. Sure. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Like it's fucking out there the soundtrack incredible what's it about road rage and i think they're japanese okay um but like very much their cultural backgrounds Mm -hmm. and the the stresses Mm -hmm. and them growing up and just it's deep and it's dark and it's so does it go back and forth between like like flashbacks and what's happening now Uh uh-huh got it yeah because like there's an altercation that goes way too far shit Mm -hmm. gets out of control and then like family gets brought into it and then you go back into like their beginnings to kind of see like what made them those people and Mm. why they are where they are okay and then you like what happens to them in the end and you're just like it's good, huh? And then throw in some fucking smashing pumpkins and hooba stank. And I'm yeah! like, I, yeah. I love it. I loved it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think it's 10 episodes and they're not too long. They're like 40 minutes. Cool. Mm-hmm. So that was good. And then, uh, oh, did you ever watch Shazam? <laughs> no. <laughs> I know what you're talking about, though, but no, I never yeah, watched it. I really it. liked the first one. Okay. The new one's out. 
Okay. Nick fell asleep. Yeah. I was in. You're talking about the one where the kid turns into a superhero, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Well, so the again, the first one loved it, like really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. They brought in big hitters. I think it's Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu. Yeah. And I was like, why? Yeah, anytime they, they start bringing me. in too many big time actors, yeah, I'm like eh. they really lost me. I was like, okay, so that was kind of a bummer. But what did not disappoint? Mm. The new Nick Cage vampire. Yeah, so good. Is it so good? It's so good. Oh my god. Nick Cage, Nick Holt. Come on. Oh, Nick Holt's in it too. Mm-hmm. We love Nick Holt. Yeah, Aquafina. I love Aquafina. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. That's awesome. Yeah, Renfield. Mm-hmm. So. I love that he, because he used to be a great actor. Like, he used he to be is. one of my favorite actors. Not used actors. to be. He is. Okay, so what I'm getting at is, he used to not be a joke. Yeah. Like, he used to be, like, a certifiable A-lister. And then things spiraled a bit and he turned into a bit of a joke. What I love about Nicolas Cage is he's smart enough and talented enough to now lean in. And he's like, Babe. if this is going to be what this is, if this is the hand I've been dealt, let's go all fucking in. Let's go full camp. So that's it. Nick and I had this exact conversation last night going into the movie because um, we both agree. Like he fucked up. He's human. We all are. He owns it. You move on, you grow, whatever. And he's still, you can't fucking deny that he's a good actor he's the for best. the roles that he chooses to put himself in because he has the ability to do that. He's such a G that he can choose to play these fucking roles. Yeah. Tell me Willy Wonka Wonderland or whatever that movie that I fucking love so much where he doesn't say one word. Yeah. And he owns that shit. Yeah. Fucking owns that movie. It's incredible. Yeah, and like raising Arizona, amazing, oh my God. classic. Um, face off, face off, which everyone kind of makes fun of, but I no, loved it when I it was out at the time. Love it. Air and Force, I used to love John Travolta. Yeah, the one Air Force One, right? I where I don't know. If yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, Con Air, Con Air. There we. <laughs> Con Air, like, The were- Rock, The Rock it was so goddamn good. <laughs> so forget it. I love it. And then Nick, I guess, um, Polly Shore. Oh, and don't forget National Treasure. Forget it. Sorry. Yeah. Polly Shore was just on Rogan. Okay. And I guess they're neighbors, him and Nick Cage. Okay. And he talked what about. What a block. No, that he's like, he's such a fucking cool guy. I bet he is. He'll just call me up and be all like, hey, like, I'm going to come over and we're going to hang out. And Polly's like, okay. And he rolls over in his Lamborghini and he's like, let's go get sushi. And Polly's like, you know, we don't have to do this, right? And he's like, yeah, but it's badass. And he's like, it's Nick Cage telling you it's badass. You go. Like, <laughs> I mean, the guy bought a fucking dinosaur and then went bankrupt and had to sell his dinosaur. Would, come on. To be able to say that? <laughs> I know. That's badass. I know. <laughs> so. He's the number one Elvis fan and he fucking married Elvis's daughter. Mm-hmm. What more do you want? The, no higher collector's item than that badass rest in peace lisa marie um so again and he bought uh the house in new orleans that they based the witch um, the american horror story on Mm. going with kathy bates that's a kathy bates was a real person in history yeah for sure house that she lived in is a a real real house. house in new orleans and he bought it the locals won't 
walk past it on the sidewalk. They go around it. Mm -hmm. It's supposedly the most haunted place in New Orleans, which whether you believe in that or not, I don't know. But definitely the atrocities that happened to the slaves there is unreal. When the tour guide was telling you, it literally makes your stomach hurt. Yeah. How the fucked up things they were doing to these people. And so um, nobody's ever been able to live in it more than a month. People move in and they move right back out. mm -hmm. Nicolas Cage owned it and he sold it in like 45 days or something like he sold it fast yeah. he did not want it anymore mm-hmm. and now some family owns it and they literally just use it for like parties once a year like mardi gras they'll have like a big haunted mardi gras party and that's and enough that, and they to dip. cover the rent for the whole yeah. year yeah mm-hmm. and then they don't do anything else with it they do not live there mm-hmm. so anyways yeah i mean he owned that fucking house i know the most infamous house in new orleans you don't have to sell him to me i know I'm selling him to the viewers I'm so excited <laughs> so yeah fun that was that Great. Mm-hmm. Love to see it. Mm-hmm. I never realized how boring I am until you ask me what I've been doing. I go, oh, fuck. I guess I've been doing nothing. Well, so I get to watch beef when I sit in the car. Oh. I can download the Netflix episodes to mm-hmm. my phone. Mm-hmm. And I have an hour between going from my work and getting Violet and getting her to camp. So yeah. I can watch bits here and there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fun. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have to do any of that shit, so. Exactly. But that's that's what keeps me alive. I know, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> that's what keeps me going. I know. <sighs> but I we have a lot to look forward to ourselves. We're going to have a Mother's Day lunch. Yeah, is that before the next episode? I guess it is. It's next weekend. We're going to have a um, dive bar brunch. That's what I did on Easter. Yeah. And they literally were like, no one's here. (laughs) (laughs) Like, who the fuck would be here? And when we showed up, they were like so excited because we were dressed up for Easter. Right. Like Violet was in her dress and I was in a dress and we were like, woo, Easter. And they're like, yay. It's so funny. And then and on the menu, it says you get a complimentary glass of champagne with all your entrees, a bottle of champagne. Yeah. Thirteen dollars. $13. Thirteen dollars. Oh my lord! Is Fucking. This, are, so wait, do they have like a brunch? Is that what you're telling me? They have brunch, lunch. Got it. Yeah. So that's what is the champagne just for that, or is that always? The champagne is on the brunch menu. So whether or not we get it, it doesn't have times though. Like it didn't say like we cut it off at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just curious how it worked. Exactly. Uh, but there's like another brunch place in town where it's. $30 for a bottle of fucking shit. Three zero? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I know. Even when we went out to dinner last night, I understand that wine is more expensive at restaurants. We were at like a mid restaurant. It was like a glass of wine was like 13 bucks. It's what I'm I would like, spend on a bottle. This bottle is cheaper than that. I guarantee Ex- it. Blows my mind. Yeah. How cheap I'll be at the store buying a bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. And then I think about it because I'm at a restaurant and I'm like, eh, I'll have another. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. It's different when you're at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. But so I do appreciate a $13 bottle of champagne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're going to do a trashy Mother's Day dive bar because I don't we don't normally go out on Mother's Day. To me, no. that's like restaurant suicide. It's the busiest day of the year for restaurants. But this is a dive bar that just so happens to have food and a casino. So Easter is a shit show in this town. And that's why I called them and they were like, yeah, we don't do reservations, but we've never had a problem. (laughs) 
They're like, you guys are the only people in town who want to eat here. So come on down. Yeah. And the way that we've sold it. So I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to it. And you're not next door. So it's different this year, right? Like normally. Yeah, we but could... I have a slave to drive me around on Mother's Day. Oh, for sure. I'm not saying it's just it's different this year. So I'm I think it's fun. Like we're going to go out. And we're actually going to like do something. I know. But what are we going to do afterwards? What the sky's the limit. All right. Should we get into this? I guess. Hold on, my notes are actually atrocious this time. I let me hold on. Let me organize it for you. Okay. Here's three and four. So these are my rough draft notes that I normally turn these into nice notes. And but the, I didn't have time, so we're just gonna go for that's it. That's yeah? fuck yeah. Let's raw dog this bitch. <laughs> Yes, let's raw dog this bitch indeed, Bailey. <gasps> All right, this week we are doing <clears throat> the case, I guess, of Charles Cullen, who is an angel of death, a.k.a. a fucked up medical professional who kills people. For sure. Um, And what movie did you watch? The Good Nurse. The Good Nurse. Uh, did they put that in quotes? The <laughs> Good <laughs> Nurse? It comes up quite a bit. I'm very excited about the um, cast of your movie. It was a great movie. Because the guy who plays Charles Cullen, I love him as an actor. I know that another um, actress that I love is in it. So I'm very excited I for your cast. I hate medical stuff. Yeah. I don't like medical shows. And besides the dentist, this is the first like medical case we've had. Right? I don't like it at all because it really freaks me the fuck out. Yeah. So when you sent this to me, I was like, "Ugh, <laughs> I was not looking forward to it. It's a really good movie. I mean, the actors are incredible. Really good movie. Um, I agree with you. The because you're already so vulnerable when you go to into a doctor, which is something you and I already have a problem with, and we have a problem with control. And the idea that somebody would take advantage of that well, and fuck you over is a lot to deal with. And my behind the scenes knowledge. Yes. My mom worked for Kaiser fucking Permanente her whole career, her whole working career. She started as a candy girl and worked her way up. My husband started as a, well, I forget what their legit name was. It's like a lift tech. Uh-huh. I think is what they call them. It's basically when you have to move bodies. Yeah. That's your actual job. Because he didn't have any medical per, like background. Yeah. He was just coming in. And there. so, yeah, you, you lift things. Yeah. And then he worked his way up into a very well, like, known part of the hospital. And I just, what I know. Yeah. Oh, girl, let's talk about the guy that my mom set me up with. <laughs> Because he worked at the hospital. Yeah. That was the hype was he's got to be good. He works at the hospital. Yeah, he's got to be good because he's stealing the fucking drugs from the pharmacy. Yeah. And he's pilled out of his fucking mind. Yeah. Thanks, I mean, mom. Thanks a, for that. If you're a pill addict, it's a smart career choice. It is. He thought that through. He did. He. I mean, to be fair, he was a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> I should not have been dating him. Yeah, he could be like one of these scumbags just like robbing pharmacies. My godmother was like my pediatrician. Like just the shit I know. Yeah. It's too much. 
but it wasn't bad in this movie. But that's a great fucking movie. Okay. Well, we'll see if it's a great fucking case. Mm-hmm. I got everything from New York Magazine, um, an article in Medium, and an article on All Things Interesting, our favorite. Charles Cullen is born February 22nd, 1960 in New Jersey. He is the youngest of eight siblings. He's born into a very... Eight <laughs> siblings! They're Catholic. Uh. He's, it's a very working class Catholic family, very East Coast. His dad is a bus driver who tragically dies September 1960. So Charles is about seven months old when his dad dies. After that, he has a real fucked up childhood, not from the normal abuse that we're used to hearing about with these pieces of shit, but he is bullied horrifically. He is bullied all throughout his childhood from his classmates and kids in the neighborhood, as well as his older siblings, like boyfriends, girlfriends, friends. Do they say why? No, he's just one of these guys. When I'm sure he's probably a little bit of a weird kid because okay. his whole life he sounds like a bit of an odd fellow Mm -hmm. not that that gives any excuse to bully somebody but you know back then kids were fucking vicious yeah they were and i think he was a little bit of a oddball okay and he's just one of those kids it sounds like that can't quite catch a break that you know some people are just bully magnets for whatever reason yeah people just pick on him so bad Mm -hmm. that's this guy yeah By nine years old, he tries to commit suicide for the first time. Nine. By mixing up his chemistry set and trying to drink the chemicals in his chemistry set. He is unsuccessful. In high school, he starts becoming obsessed with like novels about murder and about killers. That's kind of where he starts getting his deep dives into, which as a true crime community, we can't judge him too harshly for. I'm like, yeah. Same. But it's to be noted. Yeah. The bullying into his high school years gets worse and worse. Um, he finally decides to try to retaliate by spiking the drinks at a party. He goes to a house party and spikes the punch or the communal drinks with rat poison. Ew. Luckily, nobody dies from it. They just all get really sick. sick. However, his intention for sure was to cause them great harm or to kill them. Yeah. He was just lucky that nobody died. At 17 years old, his mother, who he's very close to, dies in a car accident. Oh, my God. And this really sends him down kind of a spiral for the rest of his life. He's already a naturally depressed person. You know, amplify that with how much bullying and like abuse he's taken on. He's lost now both of his parents, one of which he was very close to. And he's just fucked in the head. Wow. April 1978, he drops out of high school and he joins the Navy where he is also horrifically bullied and hazed. Dang. The, his fellow sailors. <laughs> don't you call people in the Navy? Seamen. Seamen. His fellow seamens call him fish belly because he's so like soft and white. He's like a soft little boy. Dang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they call him fish belly. All of this culminates in Charles being found in the middle of the night, dressed in stolen, 
like a hospital gown with gloves and a surgical mask standing at the helm of the missile control panel, just standing there in the middle of the night, cool. dressed like a hospital patient. Sure. That's that's normal. It's reported, but instead of being discharged, she's just reassigned to a different ship or wherever they put people in the Navy. He is eventually, a few years after that, discharged. And uh, he's discharged early, but we're not sure why. We don't know if it was a medical reason, if it was a psychological reason, but he is discharged from the Army eventually. Okay. I mean... They usually are. I mean, some fucking honorably. (laughs) Yeah. When he gets out of the Navy, he decides to enroll in nursing school in Montclair, New Jersey. Spring 1987, he graduates. He marries a girl that he met at a, he like works at a restaurant. So does she. Her name's Adrian. They get married. Wow. He gets his first job in, I'm not going to name all the hospitals. I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of hospitals. Yeah. I'm just going to tell you when he changes hospitals. Agreed. He gets his first job at a hospital in Livingston, New Jersey. He is a critical care nurse in the burn unit. He loves work. He pulls overtime. Any shift they need him for, he like throws his all into being a nurse. And he's really good at it. However, this first year of him being a nurse and also his first year of marriage Something kind of shifts when he when Adrian met him, he was like everything you'd kind of want a guy to be really outgoing and charming and romantic and sweet and Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. blah. Obviously, he's a hard worker. Obviously, he's passionate about his career now that they're married and he's actually working. He kind of does a 180 on her and he gets real dark and real cold and real kind of standoffish with her. Okay. He starts drinking pretty heavily. Um, And by the time that Adrian, I keep Adrian kind of realizes that this is going downhill. She ends up giving birth to their first daughter. Mm. And so she's trying to make it work. Right. Right. June 1988. He claims his first victim, which is 17 year old John Yango. He is a retired judge and he has been admitted to the burn unit for severe sunburns, which I can't imagine how bad of a sunburn you have to get to end up in the hospital with it. But I feel bad for him because that must be awful. Yeah. Think about your worst sunburn you've ever had. And then think about it being so bad that you have to go to the fucking burn unit. And and not only that, and then it kills you. But well, yeah. sunburn didn't mm-hmm. kill him. No, the sunburn did not kill him. Charles killed him by administering a fatal dose of the painkiller lidocaine right into his IV bag. (gasps) Oh, we forgot to mention our drinking game. In time for the train. Hey, let's take a pause, guys. If you are drinking something at home, take a drink anytime. You hear the train, which we are right now. We mentioned a past THC episode. We mentioned the hit show Monk. We mentioned a badass big sister. We cheers or we spill something. So we hear the train. Cheers. Wee. Choo choo. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. We haven't had a train in a while. That's exciting. 
at this hospital. <laughs> Should I just wait a minute? <laughs> I love it with that. <laughs> Mine and Lou's house that we lived in in Martinez. Um, I think yeah. you had been there like once or twice. Yeah. It was right up the street from the Amtrak station. Mm-hmm. And that shit would echo throughout the hills because we lived on a hill. And without fail, if you were having a conversation, that tra- that train would lay on its horn and you would go to try to talk and be like, <laughs> and you're like, wait, wait, wait. And it would stop and you're like, you go to say something like, like, all right. It just doesn't want us to talk. We get it. It was so loud. You guys think this train is loud? That shit in Martinez was loud. AF. Now, if it's going to let me talk. I do. At this hospital, he will go on to kill 11 more patients. All of these patients are elderly people. Um, in general, him killing people has very little to do with their health status, meaning he can get on his high horse and preach about how he is relieving these people of pain all he wants. But a lot of these people were actually on the mend and coming out of whatever their ailment was. For sure. So he's full of shit. For sure. And he kills people without much premeditation. Absolutely. It's kind of like whenever the feeling strikes him, He does it for sure. And it's not even all elderly people right now. It's all elderly people, but he will end up killing younger people than these first victims. Yeah. Um, But it's always through like their IV bags, through like injections. Mm -hmm. He's now moved on to really being into like insulin overdose. Mm -hmm. So giving patients insulin who are not diabetic and do not need insulin. Or I guess if they do need insulin, he just gives them too high of a dose. Mm hmm. Which is a reality as a type one that I live with every night I go to bed worried that I did my math wrong and, and took something. the round, wrong amount of insulin and I won't wake up. It's mm-hmm. something I think about literally all the time. So there you go. Mm-hmm. I don't normally stress. That is something that stresses me out. It's something every that gives night. me a lot of fucking anxiety. Yeah. So maybe I just don't have time to stress out about anything you else. Got that. <laughs> he starts kind of neglecting and abusing his family. He loves his daughter a lot. But he even starts to kind of turn a cold shoulder to her. His wife will come home from work and find like the front door open and the baby crying. And then he'll show up and be like, oh, I went for a walk. She's like, oh, you just went for a walk. Cool. Then he starts trigger warning everybody. He starts taking it out on the family dogs. They have two Yorkshire Terriers. He starts... By just kind of like neglecting them, not feeding them or making them stay outside in like the cold weather for longer than what you should be letting dogs Mm -hmm. be outside. And then it kind of escalates into tying them up into trash bags or leaving them in garbage cans with the lids closed. It gets to the point where animal animal control is called on the family. The dogs get taken away. Adrian goes back and begs them to bring the dogs back. They let her have the dogs back and she tells him that he has to fucking cool his shit. Leave the fucking dogs alone. So he agrees. But then within the the next week or so, the neighbor's dog ends up dead and they take the dog to the vet and the dog has been poisoned. (sighs) And while nobody can prove that it was Charles, Adrian 
knows it was Charles. Wow. Disgusting. Mm-hmm. He can't kill his own dogs, so he's going to fucking kill the neighbors. Now, in 1991, the hospital is starting to become pretty suspicious of all the insulin overdoses that are uh-huh. happening out of nowhere. And a team at the hospital opened an investigation. They find that multiple IV bags have been tampered with and that Charles a lot of the time is the nurse on duty and he becomes the number one suspect. They bring this to the police who do not care. They're not trying to hear it. Hospitals apparently, and we should know this because the hospital where we live is a big part of our city. Yeah. And um, they bring that up in one of the articles I was reading that hospitals can be such a huge part of like the city's revenue and infrastructure and employment rate. Yeah. And they just don't want to bring any heat if down on the hospital down, it, the without mm-hmm. like hard evidence mm-hmm. that something malicious is happening. Mm-hmm. So nothing happens in 1992. He is eventually fired. I think for like, stealing medicine or tampering medicine they get him on some charge Mm -hmm. he tells his wife though that basically he was um let go because of like some internal conflict like the nurses wanted to strike and he got caught up in the middle of it and he just lies his way out of it right yeah he quickly finds a new job at a new hospital his second daughter is born and his abuse towards his family gets worse and worse he starts like trying to control like in the wintertime. He won't let them turn on the heater. So he makes everyone just live in the cold. He becomes I don't know if he ever becomes physically abusive to her, but he's definitely verbally, emotionally abusive. Yeah. Enough he's, so that she's scared that she won't turn on the fucking heater. Yeah. Right. That's obviously a sign that she doesn't feel safe. And the drinking, of course, is getting worse. So now he's like sitting in the basement, basically ignoring his family, drinking alone, and the dogs get brought back into it. Mm -hmm. Now he's torturing the dogs, beating them, doing horrific things to these poor dogs. January 1993, Adrian finally gets the police involved. She gets the police out there and basically tells them about the fact that Charles First of all, is off his meds. He's supposed to be on depression medication. He has stopped taking that. She tells him about the drinking and the shit he's doing to the dogs and the shit he's doing to her and the kids. And the fact that he started cutting the faces out of magazines and prank calling funeral homes. (laughs) And the police are like, yeah, but he's not doing anything violent. So there's nothing we can do about it. Oh, because this is all just totally normal people behavior no big deal you're over exaggerating Mm -hmm. calm down and do your job as a woman so she files for a restraining order that's denied disgusting she files for divorce and they start the divorce process thank god charles moves out he attempts suicide and goes to the psych ward for about a week gets out of the psych ward and he is back to work Because now he's at a new hospital, right? 
the, how do they hire someone who's already... So, great question. Back then, they didn't require <sighs> background checks for nurses. Thank you. So, he got hired at a new hospital, gave them the same spiel he gave his wife, which was like, hey, it was an internal conflict, <laughs> blah, 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 Even listed the old hospital as a reference, and they just hired him without um, even doing the reference up. or the background check. Yeah. And apparently, I don't know if it's now in the 80s, but because um, this goes on, his his career lasts for like 16 years or something. Gross. At some point, America hits like a nursing shortage. So when he starts really hopping from hospital to hospital, it's because they fucking need people on staff right now and they don't give a shit. So if you have your nursing credentials, You're that's on. all they cared about. Yeah. So he's at this new hospital. He um, he's working there, whatever. He gets divorced, goes to the psych ward, suicide attempt out of the psych ward, back to work. But now he is different. He's very like eccentric um, is how his fellow co-workers politely describe him. Okay. I think he's probably pretty fucking weird. Mm-hmm. And they're like, he's eccentric, you know. He becomes obsessed with this nurse named Michelle who he goes out on one date with and she politely tells him, I don't think this is going to work out. Let's stay friends, coworkers. He can't have that because he's a fucking weirdo. So he obsesses on her. He like brings her a bunch of gifts to work. She's like, please stop bringing me gifts. He asks her on dates. She says no. He proposes. She says no. Wow, this is so bizarre. In March 1993, he kills a 90-year-old woman named Lucy. And what's significant about this, because I am not going to go through every single person he murders. It is too long of a list. But what's significant about Lucy is that he has figured out a new drug to use since the insulin brought too much attention. He has now switched to a heart medication, which basically helps revive a heart if it's failing. If people are going into heart failure, they give them this medication. It is a long word, and I don't know how to spell it, and I don't know how to say it. Cool. But it's for people who are going into heart failure. Yeah. But if you have a healthy heart, what is that going to do? It's going to speed your heart up too fast and make you go into heart failure. Mm -hmm. It's going to do the opposite, right? Yeah. So he administers this drug into Lucy's IV. It is very hard to trace. And she's 90 years old. So it would make sense that she would have a heart attack if she's already in the hospital. And for later victims, when they do autopsies on the victim, they don't even think to look for this drug. They look for like poison Mm -hmm. and like opiates and that sort of stuff. But they don't even think to look for this drug. So he flies under the radar for years Forever. using this fucking heart medication is it dejoxin yes it's like dexalajoxalin or uh-huh. it's De- something wild yeah, yeah, yeah but it's for heart failure yeah, yeah, yeah i just didn't i'm too lazy to look it up no, in the movie I, i've got it noted it's dejoxin or something <laughs> mm-hmm. why do they always have to come up with the craziest names for I, medicine no what Be is like the point heart flutter medicine yeah like why do you have to throw in so many letters vowels and consonants september 1993 he is caught breaking and entering into that nurse michelle's house she is a single mom asleep in the middle of the night with her young child when she hears glass 
breaking. Awful. Calls the police and then investigates to find Charles just standing in her kitchen. Ugh. She talks to him till cops show up. Um, he gets arrested and basically he like pleads out and she gets a restraining order. He gets a fine that he has to pay, but he doesn't actually do any time in jail. He does try another suicide attempt. It doesn't work. This guy ends up trying like a million suicide attempts. It apparently never works. In the meantime, he kills multiple more people. All he could kill people left and right, but can't not kill himself. himself. Hey, why don't you give yourself some of this fucking heart medication? For real, stupid. though. Like, what are you doing? You try what? every other way in the book except yeah, for the one you're way like, oh, you I'm know. Gonna, I'm going to go this route for myself. You but know for, for sure, sure this how- shit will work. And you're like, no, 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 I'm going to do this. It's all for attention. Oh, my God. So anyways, he kills multiple more elderly people with these heart meds. Again, at this hospital, they're becoming suspicious. There's an investigation. He takes two lie detector tests, pass them both. Shocking. And he quits December 1993. He quits? He quits a lot of hospitals. As soon as the as soon as it starts it to get too shady, hot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Four months later, April 1994, we're at a new job in a new hospital. This time we're in the ICU. In October, he's actually granted a nurse award for his outstanding <laughs> services as a nurse. Okay. Shocking. Oh my goodness. He goes about two years with nothing significant happening. He kind of keeps a low profile. Or so we know. In 1996, between the months of January to July, he does kill five people with the same heart medication. He quits October 96. November through August, he's at a different hospital. He's fired for just poor performance that time. I guess his nursing is slipping. Mm -hmm. He attempts suicide. Doesn't work. (laughs) He has another psych stay. He gets out and he... Starts working as a nurse at a nursing home in Pennsylvania. February 1998, he is working alongside a nurse named Kim. Mm -hmm. Basically, they have... So this is a nursing home, but it's also like a rehabilitation program. So they're working with elderly people, but they're trying to like rehabilitate them. Whatever. Yeah. So there's like two patients per room, but like... He's in charge of one patient and nurse Kim is in charge of the other patient. Mm -hmm. The other patient is named Francis and nurse Kim notices that Charles keeps checking like Francis's chart and kind of really like hyper focusing on Francis and his care and whatever. She's like, what are you doing? Like, this isn't even your patient. May 8th, 1998, Francis dies from an insulin overdose. We're back to the insulin. Nurse Kim thinks this is weird because Francis isn't supposed to be on insulin. So why would he be given insulin? She's brought in and questioned by the hospital board. And she's like, I didn't give him insulin. She's all but this fucking guy who just started working here is like obsessed obsessed with my patient. Like he was in and out of the room all that night. Maybe he did something. But the hospital doesn't want to hear it. They don't want to believe her. And they fire Kim instead of investigating Charles. Oh, my goodness. 
they end up firing Charles in October of 1998 because he breaks a patient's arm and leaves him in the room and other nurses find him. And so they just fire him, but they also don't report it to authorities. This is disgusting. So at this point, we are at over 20 patients of his have been murdered over a total of five hospitals. That's our current tally. And just looked over completely Mm -hmm. disregarded. In the following years, we have the same shit. He jumps from hospital to hospital. He leaves a trail of bodies behind him. He's never caught. He's always suspected, but nobody ever actually like has anything. goes a full on investigation. They don't even want to find anything. No. They just want it to become somebody else's problem. Ugh. And they fire him and let him go to a different fucking hospital to wreak havoc. Gross. During this time, he has a neighbor because he's now living in like when after his divorce, he moved into like a basement apartment and upstairs for him. Him. He has a neighbor named Karen. And Karen notices all this shit she notices his odd behavior like how he likes to chase and capture alley cats and dogs in the alleyway behind their apartment fuck no or how he likes to make weird faces at the neighbors that pass him when he knows that they can't see him but karen notices fuck no (laughs) not cool One night, she notices a very awful, weird smell coming into her apartment, coming up through the vents. It's not what you think it is. But she does recognize it as carbon monoxide. Mm. And she knows from the various times at this point that this guy's tried to commit suicide. She's like, he's going to try to fucking blow himself up and he's going to take the rest of us with him. Yeah. So she calls authorities. They break in. He is trying to kill himself, but he swear to God he's not. (gasps) He's only filled his um, he had like a barbecue going in his apartment with all the windows closed. Oh, yeah. Just normal, normal things. It was it was going to rain. So I had to do it inside again. Psych ward. And then he's back out. 2001 to 2002. How many times can you go into a psych ward and be released? I don't know. 2001 to 2002. He has five more victims at a hospital called St. Luke's who become suspicious of Charles pretty quickly. He quits, but St. Luke's doesn't fucking quit. And they notice that Charles was on duty for all those deaths. And they end up finding that heart medication like squirreled away in weird little corners of the hospital, like hidden in like plants and stuff. Like he's hiding them in like little hidey holes all Shut over the, the hospital. Fuck up. I'm dying. This is ridiculous. Ridiculous. So they bring it up to the authorities and to whoever will listen to them. But the case is dropped because, again, there's no hard evidence against him. But St. Luke's isn't fucking giving up. Okay. So they launch a formal complaint to the nursing board who then launched their own investigation. So they're looking into him. And that's when Charles starts working at his Eighth and final hospital, Somerset Medical Center. He starts working September 2002. Mm. We are juniors juniors and seniors because we're going into senior year 2002. Okay. Graduating 2003. Mm. Within that first year of working at Somerset Hospital, he racks up 
18 victims. He is averaging over two victims a month. The nursing staff are all suspicious of Charles. He's again the number one suspect. June 28th, 2003, the day before my birthday, he kills a man named Florian who should have been... He was on the mend. He was getting better. There was no reason whatsoever for his heart to fail. Yeah. And so this launches a lot of suspicion. And I'm kind of dicey on the details here. But somebody in the hospital is finally suspicious enough to bring it up to some doctor that's like works at like a poison center. They're trying to figure out, I think, if like the medication is to blame and that person at the poison center is the one who starts kind of piecing it all together. And so he brings it up to the Department of Health because he wants to know basically why Somerset Hospital has not reported any of these suspicious deaths to the authorities. Great question. So he brings it up to the Department of Health who then penalizes the Somerset Hospital for not reporting it. And they still don't report it. And Charles is still fucking working there. I can't. Where he goes on to kill five more people. Disgusting. Before Somerset Hospital decides to make an official police report. Fuck you, Somerset Hospital. Yeah. So after they make the report, two detectives, homicide detectives, finally get on the case. And they start to gather all the evidence. But Somerset Hospital barely cooperates. I mean, these fucking detectives Mm -hmm. have to hound them to get them to give them anything to work with which feels like why exactly and they're still letting charles work there right like why are you doing if he is being investigated investigated by homicide detectives you're gonna let him work with people it's wild now these detectives finally are the ones to look into Charles's past and see this crazy fucking past of being fired and quitting and suspicious being a suspect of all of these like weird overdoses and heart failures years later of all the psych ward stays of all the suicide attempts of all the restraining orders no one thought (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ but they still don't have any hard evidence. So they need somebody who can help them put this shit together, let alone help them even know how to read like the medical records and stuff. Right. Like they're that's something that if you're not in it, you don't know how to do it. Yeah. So they bring on board a nurse named Amy Ridgeway. Now, Amy is Charles's work BFF. They get along great. He even like they hang out outside of work and he has confided in her, not obviously about the killings, but about like his divorce Mm -hmm. and the suicide and his childhood and the drinking. She knows about his dark stuff. Okay. And somehow they find out about Amy being his bestie and they bring her all the evidence they have of what he's done and she is shocked she can't believe that he would be capable of this she can't believe that she couldn't see that right Mm -hmm. and she agrees to help them so the first thing she does is she goes through 
every single medical record, um, like uh, drug request, everything that Charles has ever been a part of, she goes through with a fine tooth comb. She figures out how he's been doing this, at least at Somerset. Basically, he's been tricking the system. They have like a um, their system, their computers control like these drawers and cabinets to like for the nurses to get the medication out of. Mm-hmm. And he's figured out a loophole that if you type in a request for like Tylenol and then you cancel it and like, oh, I'm sorry, that was I didn't mean that. It's still- They'll still pop open the drawer. Yep. And she notices all these crazy requests. Like he requests Tylenol constantly. And so basically he's like requesting Tylenol and then canceling the request and taking out this heart medication and squirreling it away around the hospital. Right. So what else does he do it with? So he she figures that shit out mm-hmm. and uh, brings all of that to the police. All of this still is technically circumstantial evidence, though. Right. They don't have anything hard to like they really want a confession is what they want however he kills his last victim which is his 40th victim Mm. he kills his last victim october 2003 and somerset ends up firing him on halloween october 31st 2003 okay in the middle of an open murder investigation now, being fired, Amy decides to ask him out to lunch, see if he wants to talk. The detectives wire her up and send her in to lunch with him. December 12, 2003, they have lunch. They talk. She gets real close to getting him to confess, but he doesn't actually confess. However, the cops are all outside of the diner or whatever, so they decide to arrest him anyways. Upon arrest, they go into an intense, like, interrogation. It lasts hours and hours. They hit him with every piece of evidence they have, and he sits silent the whole fucking time. He doesn't say a word. So then they bring in the big guns. Okay. They ask Amy to come in. She comes in. She tries the soft hand approach with him. He's still not budging, and so she decides to lie and tell him that the police are going after her for, like, working with him, that they suspect that she's, like, his partner, and that they're going to, like, bring her down, too. And so then he begrudgingly starts to confess, and that leads to a seven-hour confession where he tells the police about Every single thing that he's done in his recollection. The problem is he has a real foggy recollection between the drinking and the whatever happens in your brain. I can't imagine what's happening in your brain when you're doing something like that. The amount of like adrenaline and whatever is happening. Crazy. He has a real foggy recollection. He can pinpoint and remember 40 victims. Now, there are they say that the numbers could reach up into the hundreds, even as high as 300, Mm -hmm. which would make him the most prolific serial killer in America, if not 
anywhere. Right. For real. But he for sure can admit to 40. Okay. He pleads guilty to all of them, all of them in March 2006. He is sentenced to 17 life sentences. He's basically traded his full cooperation to get the death penalty off the table. So he fully cooperates. He identifies bodies. He gives full details. And so he is sentenced to 17 concurrent life sentences. Later on, he he's in prison for a few years and then he gets like contacted by an ex-girlfriend who he had some illegitimate baby with and um, her brother needs a kidney transplant. And so he wants to he gets tested. First of all, he has to fight to even get tested. The brother has some sort of like super rare blood type and they said the chances of him finding a donor is he had a higher chance of being struck by lightning oh dang he's going to like dialysis three times a week he is on death's door there is not much time left for him his uh sister takes a shot in the dark and sends like a newspaper clipping to her ex in prison he decides to get tested he's a blood match they have to fight in the courts to even whether or not it's even acceptable for him to give a kidney to save somebody's life. The mm-hmm. victim's families are taking it very personal. They're like, you would take the lives of our family members and now you want permission to like, what, save someone's life, to look better, to get brownie points. Like, what's the point of all of this? It goes through a lot of like litigation. He sits through a lot of like um, victim testimony, not victims, but like victims' families testimonies and hearing what they have to say. He's quiet through all of that. Um, He does end up having a breakdown at some point in court, but at some point they give him the okay to give the kidney, saving that guy's life. So good for that guy, I guess. He also did a interview, and I believe this was with New York Magazine. So some... Journalist was in prison doing an interview with him. And he was basically asking him about like why he would do this, kind of what he was thinking about the murders. And this is the quote I pulled up from that interview. He said, if you're asking if I knew what I was doing was wrong, I saw that I was stopping pain, removing pain. I saw it as shortening the duration of the pain, ending pain. Sometimes the pain was patients who were suffering and terminal. Sometimes it was the pain of families being ripped apart. Sometimes it was the lives of patients that would only be tied up in an endless series of procedures and complications and pain. But if you're asking, well, I knew it was illegal and that it wasn't my choice to make, but it's how I thought about it. I felt compelled to do what I did. I didn't see it as bad. I did know it was illegal. Mm, so that did note it was illegal. But he still thinks that what he did was good or right or whatever. <sighs> and I actually didn't look up if he's still alive or not. Do you know the answer? Well, my movie's fairly recent and it makes it seem like he's still alive. Yeah, this is all fairly recent. I didn't he- read about him dying anywhere. So no. I'm going to say he's still alive in some fucking prison rotting away somewhere. For- 
stay there. I think he has to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah cuz I don't see Mm-mm. Yeah, so we're going to say he's still alive. Yeah. There you go. That's the case of Charles Cullen, possibly the most horrific, prolific serial killer in America's history. For real though. That's a lot because that's just what we know. Mm-hmm. Ew. So gross. Yep. Gives me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. I mean, as it should, right? Yeah. Killing a bunch of people shouldn't make you feel good. I don't like it. It's so sneaky and just so, ugh, just dirty. I don't know. I guess in his brain, though, he was doing something. Fuck him. But it's also, he's also full of shit because, as we mentioned, some of those people were on the mend. No, no, that's what I'm saying. And his youngest victim. I don't have a full age age range, but his youngest victim was 22 years old. Like, forget it. Yeah, that kid. Yeah, Yeah, that kid could have bounced back from whatever he was facing. For sure. All right, should we take a drink break? Oh, for yeah, we need, I, beep back. (laughs) <laughs> beep beep uh, toot, toot, toot. Toot. <laughs> uh, all right pause it was cute yesterday besides being your eldest birthday was also cinco de mayo see which i learned apparently had more to do with the french than it had to do with anything lovely it was the french encroaching on the mexican territory and they're like fuck you French yeah. people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but so Nick made carnitas. Mm-hmm. And he hates tequila. Yeah. He's not a huge fan of me on tequila. I'm a huge <laughs> fan of you on I tequila. I mean, a lot of people are. <laughs> <laughs> so when I came to sit down to dinner of our little carnitas, um, I thought it was so cute. He had picked out white claw surge but they were lime flavored oh yes he's he's like see it's it's in theme yeah it's like we're not gonna drink mexican beer when we're not gonna drink tequila but we'll drink something lime flavored yeah and i appreciated the effort and the thought Mm -hmm. okay don't appreciate them him raining on your parade though about tequila i mean he was the one that got me two bottles for my birthday. He yeah. bought me two really nice bottles, but it was also to encourage me to not binge drink them and to just, you know, take a shot here and there. <laughs> Feels controlling. Feels like yeah. a red flag. Just kidding. <laughs> you know, to maybe maintain shit. <clears throat> me, I'm like, let's drink that tequila and do mushrooms oh, and drink white claw surges. Hey, looking forward to our anniversary. Oh my lord, not me. <laughs> Terrified. For real though. So I hear a beep, beep, mm-hmm. beep. Sounds like you're in the hospital. <laughs> And apparently someone is going to code when we read based on a true story. It's 1996 at some hospital in Pennsylvania. And a patient is experiencing a code blue when nurses and doctors arrive to evaluate the situation. One nurse, Charlie Cullen 
played by Eddie Redmayne. Yep, love him. I only know him from Fantastic Beasts. Yep, he's done a lot of really good stuff. Okay. And at this point, I don't know if he's new to the job or if he's scared of, like, what's happening. Because Homeboy's standing there doing fucking nothing. Yeah, you're like, a little (laughs) urgency, huh? (laughs) So I'm like, I don't know, maybe he's in shock because the patient is then pronounced dead. When we skipped to 2003, so what, like eight years later, uh, Parkfield Memorial Hospital, New Jersey, when we meet ICU nurse Amy, Amy Lundgren, played by Jessica Chastain. Love her. Okay. I only know her as Beverly in the new It chapter two. I don't... Yeah, but isn't she also in Jurassic Park? No, that's... Uh, Bryce oh, Dallas. Oh, I like or, Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah. I also like Jessica Chastain, but she, I was thinking of Bryce Dallas for Howard. For sure. Yeah, no. They I, look the exact same. Yeah. Jessica Chastain is also in a movie you've never seen before okay. about um, SEAL Team 6 going in and killing Obama. <laughs> There you go. Pretty good movie, though. Uh-huh. I can't remember what it's called, though. Uh-huh. No, she's also a great I'll actress. tell you what. They did her dirty on her IMDb picture. <gasps> she does not look good. And I know she's a bombshell. Yeah, of course. No, yeah. I love her. But I was thinking of Bryce Dallas Howard, yeah. who I, I actually like enough to follow on Instagram. Because yeah, she's yeah. like a mom and kind of a nerd. Mm-hmm. And I like it. And her dad's the best, Ron uh, Howard. A Howard. Yeah. So anyways, sure. yes, Jessica Chastain. We're here. <clears throat> So, yeah, she is Beverly in It Chapter 2, the remake. So that's what yes. I knew her from. So whatever. Amy, Amy's a good fucking nurse. Mm-hmm. Amy is a good nurse. She is bending the hospital rules to make her patients feel as safe and cared for as possible. Love to see it. Yes. And you don't see it often. So, of course, this behavior is getting her into trouble. Mm-hmm. She is being reprimanded for um, allowing an elderly couple. So the wife was in the ICU. She's there getting ready for surgery. And it's the night shift, obviously. And so he's being asked to leave. Like the visiting hours are up. Mm -hmm. And the wife doesn't want him to go. She's scared. Mm -hmm. So Amy lets him stay. Yeah. She's like, well, I won't tell anybody if you don't tell anybody. Yeah. Obviously somebody fucking narcs because they're the worst. So she's getting in trouble for that. And afterwards, um, she's also informed that like, but don't worry. Your graveyard night shift or whatever, you're going to be getting another nurse soon. So like you'll be getting more help. Okay. Okay. And apparently he comes with, like, glowing recommendations. He is a good nurse, mm-hmm. after all. Mm-hmm. Amy gets home. She's basically on the verge of collapse, right? She's got two young girls. They are watched by an elderly neighbor. And before she can even change out of her clothes, just the daily chaos of having kids is already ensued. Yeah. Right. It's breakfast time. They're scrambling to get out the door to go to school, whatever. She's immediately reminded that she still owes her shit. Like all of my clothes are old. 
hand-me-downs. Like everything's falling apart. I don't ever get anything. The worst part is I don't even get you. Wow. Great. Right. And I'm just like, my heart is broken for this woman. (laughs) The house is a mess. There's toys and dishes everywhere. For whatever reason, Amy is keeping her shit together until the kids walk out the door. And then it's obvious that the stress of the job and being a single mom is too much because we immediately follow that scene by a new scene where she's in a doctor office herself hooked up to monitors and she's being told that the news isn't good. Oh, shit. Her heart is failing and she basically has to prepare her kids for the worst. Oh, my God. Like she could die at any time. (laughs) What? Yeah. Holy shit. And she's young, right? Sherry on top. Amy doesn't have fucking medical insurance. How is that even possible? Exactly. Oh, this is what makes me so much more infuriated by the whole situation. So she hasn't worked for the hospital long enough to be eligible for insurance. You know what? Let Eddie Redmayne just I, burn the I, hospital I just, around. I, Fuck just, it. Who cares? <laughs> uh, so the only thing that's going to save her at this point is like, heart surgery which she can't afford she can't even afford this fucking doctor visit she can't afford her babysitter now how do these things work i always wonder this like if it is a huge procedure like that Mm -hmm. can't they just bill you for the rest of your life like do they expect you to pay a certain amount up front like how does it work like can they turn you away i don't know yeah yeah i don't know I don't know either. So th- that's just it. So because she doesn't have insurance, she's not even eligible to be on a list. That is so fucked. They're just like, well, literally at that point, I mean, I guess it depends on your health, but just move to fucking Europe or something. So what the doctor told her was like, well, so what will help you live longer is if you just don't work. And she's like, oh, so I just make no money so I can't afford anything. That's that'll so that'll keep me al- alive longer. Yeah hate it disgusting Mm. okay that night at work after receiving this devastating news we meet charlie for the first time okay she's taking him around introducing him to the regulars like for instance there's one patient that's like in a coma that's clearly been there for a while and then there's the elderly couple that I mentioned earlier, yep. Anna and her husband. And so, you know, they're just kind of doing their thing. Charlie is so gentle and kind and considerate. And Amy immediately responds to this. Like it's mm-hmm. something she is not used to seeing. And so on their break, they're getting to know one another. And it comes up that Charlie came to the hospital because he's following his ex-wife who took off with the kids mm-hmm. making her seem like a fucking asshole right like yeah. she just up and left me took my girls so the only way I could be close to them is to follow them and hope to be able to spend any time with them yeah so I'm taking this job not here. that I've been fired from 10 other hospitals no, 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 no. and of course Amy's just like oh my god I have two kids myself I'm a single parent like amazing yeah they are bonded immediately i don't know why amy is a single mom that's never that never comes up so later in the shift amy is dealing with the coma patient 
when she starts to have like a shortness of breath mm-hmm. where she's having heart fucking complications. Yeah. <laughs> she goes to sit down in the storage room to kind of like get her shit together. She can't let the staff know what's happening to her because she can get fired. What is happening? It's bananas. I'm like, isn't that against the law? I don't know, man. <laughs> also, we're in California. We're in a bit of bubble. Sometimes our laws are not the same I know. across the U.S. Mm-hmm. But I would have no idea. I don't know how medical law works. So, But Charlie- it sounds... Crazy unfair. I know. So Charlie finds her in there, and he's of course showing concern. And so they sit together, and he's helping her work on her breathing. She reveals her diagnosis, and he's like, "Why the fuck are you working?" And she explains the whole situation. Kind of ballparks that she's got like four months until she'll be eligible for insurance. And he's like, "Perfect. I can help you make it." those four months like we'll figure this out we'll get through it together god damn this stupid fucking movie for making you like charlie so much till the end forget it we're we're not even we're not even there yet <laughs> like uh-huh. i love him <laughs> i know he's the best um he like wraps her up in his jacket and he's taking care of her and so the next shift amy and charlie arrive together and they are coldly informed that one of their patients died during the day shift. Okay. And it's Anna, the elderly woman. And obviously Amy's going to take this super personal. And so she goes and Charlie goes with her and they find Anna's body just discarded like garbage, right? Just laying there naked, just Ah. sheets to the wind or whatever. And so that's when Charlie tells Amy about his mom. Apparently he was young and saw her die in the hospital and they lost her body. And by the time they found her, like she was also just like totally discarded, treated like garbage. Oh, my God. This gives me a whole nother level of anxiety about dying. And because of that, like, wait, hold on. Let my neighbor drive by real quick. I can tell your dick is so big. So big. (laughs) But. This negligence, this disregard for humankind, right? This is what inspired Charlie to work in his profession. And he wanted to give the patient some dignity back, right? Yeah. This is the Charlie that the movie is portraying to me. I Listen, uh, and it makes it even worse that, like, it's, I know how Eddie Redmayne is. Is the sweetest. And I can picture him playing it. So fucking well. Yeah, it's like Newt Schmander as a fucking nurse instead of a, a whatever wizard. So sweet and kind and quiet. Oh, my God. So Amy goes to talk to Anna's husband. Charlie stays behind. He's cleaning up the body. And this is the first time we kind of see him be odd because he is lingering on his (laughs) dead body. Not lingering. We're just kind of like. Lingerer. Seven weeks later by Detective Baldwin, who is former Oakland defensive. I'm going to ruin this. Namandi Asmunga. Okay. (laughs) So Oakland Raider defensive. In real life? Yeah. He He, was, wait, he played on the Raiders, like, he he played on the Raiders and now he's an actor? Yeah. 
Oh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's why I was hoping you would be no. able to help me out. <laughs> no. I can't remember the names of my clients, let alone football players. That's okay. I have something more exciting. Stop it. If it's a monk, <laughs> I'm going to throw up. Detective Braun. Uh-huh. A.K.A. Roderick Brody from season seven, episode 14, Mr. Monk and the Bullies. And the bully. And what the bullies. Po- Another podcast miracle has happened tonight. That is crazy. I love it when yeah. our podcast ties into itself. Mr. Monk and the Bullies. Yeah. Incredible. Mr. I'm Monk just- is very anti-bullying. Wow. What a night. Okay. Both of our detectives, like you mentioned earlier, are fucking confused. This woman was 77. Of course she died. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, why are we here? (laughs) According to hospital risk manager Linda Guerin, who podcasters might remember as Detective Boney from our Gone Girl episode 69, Mm. this was an unusual adverse reaction to medication. Okay. So police ask if the family is seeking legal action against the hospital when it's disclosed that the family doesn't even fucking know that the death is being investigated. That oh. there was anything fucking suspicious. Could you imagine <laughs> finding that out? Oh my God. So police again are like, what the fuck? Where's the body? It's cremated why are we here? (laughs) What are we supposed to fucking do? So they interview all the staff from that night and they find out in a background search on Charlie that he had been arrested for criminal trespassing back in Pennsylvania eight years ago. The charges were dropped. Baldwin thinks it's suspicious and that's kind of that. During the past seven weeks, Charlie and Amy have obviously gotten closer and closer. He's now invited to her house. He's spending time with her kids. They're all becoming very attached. And while the interviews are going on with staff, the detectives are being informed now that the risk manager and the attorney are going to be present during their questioning. And they're like, so cool. Why would anyone talk shit about their employer to their employer's attorney? Like, who's going to be honest with these people present in the room? Like, we're not going to get any information with you guys around. Right. During Amy's questioning, for whatever reason, the risk manager has to, like, go check something else out. She gets called out of the meeting. Mm -hmm. And so this is when the detectives take a chance to be like, read this medical chart for us so that we have any fucking idea of what it says. Cause they have no clue. Right. I mean, I can't imagine how difficult that would be. Yeah. So she breaks it down for them and she realizes like, Oh yeah, there's definitely inaccuracies in the glucose levels that were given. Mm hmm. And because of the amount of insulin in her system, it absolutely would have killed her. And they're like, well, what's up with Charlie? Like, was he working that night? She's like, well, yeah, we worked together during the night shift, but Anna passed away during the day shift. Right. So there's no way that it would have had anything to do with us. 
on her way out, Amy tells the detectives that she believes that Charlie's a good nurse. And there's no way that he could make a mistake like that. Like she's advocating for him. Yeah, of course. It's a hard day. Amy almost passes out after performing chest compressions on a patient. Charlie, of course, finds her slumped on the floor in the medical supply room. And this is the first time we see him put his code into the dispensary thingy mm-hmm. to get the medication. Yeah. Mm-hmm, which he cancels at the last minute. I'm so glad I put it in there. I almost didn't. Yep. I almost cut the whole thing out. So I'm like, this is too boring. Nope. It's a big thing for sure. And she's like, you could get fired for doing this. And he's like, no, like I'm canceling it. They they won't know. Like it's still going to dispense the drug, but it's never going to get caught. It'll be fine. Yeah. He goes with Amy to her next medical exam where, again, the news is bad. And so finally. He goes with Amy to her medical exam? Yeah. Whoa, that's crazy. They're close, close. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. She finally decides that it's time to tell her oldest daughter, like, you need to be prepared. If something happens to me, if you find me unresponsive, like, you're going to call Charlie. Not 911? No, because he is 911. Yeah, kind of. But 911 mm-hmm. has, like, debilitators and stuff. No. Nope. Well, def- what are those? Defibrillators? Yeah, I guess defibrillators. But yeah. yeah, because of the medication, he's been, like, sneaking for her or oh, whatever. Oh, right. Okay. Yes. Sorry. So she's like, you were going to call Charlie. So I'm a little slow. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. That's a lot of faith to put in somebody. That's well, crazy. And she's putting it in the badass big sister. Oh, right. Because yeah. it's the eldest daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So she's got to take the news. Us the the younger girls. sister doesn't know. Yeah, she's got to carry the weight. And she fucking looks at her mom and she's like, can I go watch cartoons now? That was it. That's all she could say. Like, fuck. <laughs> I saw a TikTok that reminded us so much <laughs> Of really both of our girls versus our son, but I think in this TikTok, it was a younger girl versus an older boy. So it reminded me so much of Zoe and Wyatt, my kids, where the dad, so the TikTok was the dad talking to the girl and being like, there's a dad who wants to fight me, but like he oh, has, yeah. a, and you're convincing about, them to they, come and he's fight all, with they you. They have a daughter. Yeah. And so you need to go fight this daughter. Zoe's throwing. He's all, do you need to get dressed? Because she was in like an oversized t-shirt and shorts. He's like, so I need you to go get dressed and come meet these whatever. And she's like, I'm already dressed. He's like, okay, so you're going to go fight these yeah. people with me? She's like, yeah. I'm throwing. And so they start walking out the door. Meanwhile, her older brother is sitting there going, he literally goes, what's going on he's all what's happening i'm like that is so my youngest versus my son yes my son would be like what uh, your son would be like absolutely not i'm telling mom he's like what's happening yeah zoe's out the door yeah zoe's like i'm here i got yeah. your back it's so funny no absolutely uh, well she's a badass little she's a li- yeah no she's a fucking terror and we love it all right Detectives are getting nowhere because the hospital sucks, right? They're not giving them shit. Not only that, none of the other past hospitals are giving them shit. It's like they're not. It's such a weird thing that I get you don't want to catch any heat. But when all this shit comes to light, 
you're going to be looked at as so much worse. Like, wouldn't you rather be the hospital that, that stepped up and did something? For real, right? The medical reports that finally got provided to them were missing pages, like weeks of information. And the risk manager's just like, oh, well, those must have gotten misplaced and we don't keep anything older than like four weeks and none of that information can be regenerated. Was she proven wrong? Oh, absolutely. Yes, I mm-hmm. did cut that part out. But she said that that they don't keep it after four weeks or whatever. And mm-hmm. then they went to like the manufacturers of the system. They're like, no, it's kept indefinitely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So at this point, Baldwin loses his cool. He threatens the risk manager knowing that she's hiding something. But that gets them banned from the hospital. So when he's trying to fight his department lead... They're like, bro, what are you fighting for? Like, you have no body. You have no case. What do you think you're going to find? Yeah. Back at work, Amy is getting to know her newest patient, Kelly Anderson, who has a newborn baby. And she assures the woman, like, you're healing nicely. You're going to be holding your baby again soon. And the next time she goes to check on Kelly, her memory is failing. She's not responding to simple questions and cues like what's your baby's name squeeze my hand she knows immediately that something's wrong and she sees on the chart that the insulin in kelly's system is just like anna's the husband arrives to the hospital with his infant baby to be told that his wife didn't make it oh my God. He hands the baby over and he falls to the floor and he's screaming out. <laughs> That's <laughs> wild. Fucking done, dude. I'm Are you crying? D- I'm sobbing. <laughs> dude, I'm so- That's so it's crazy because you're being told like, "Oh, she's she's doing fine." Yeah. Go home. Get some rest. Crazy. You're getting woken up. Mm-hmm. You wake up your baby. You come to the hospital. She's crying. Yeah. You're crying. Yeah. Everybody's crying. Yeah. You have no answers. It's like an episode of This Is Us. What is happening? For real. <laughs> it's awful. Mm-hmm. So, no longer being allowed at the hospital, detectives Baldwin and Braun go to Amy's house. She's clearly still upset over the loss of her most recent patient. So she thinks that that's why they're there to discuss Kelly's death. Mm-hmm. Right. So she's like, look, I don't know what happened to Kelly. Like, I'm still fucked up. Like, I can't deal with you guys right now. And they're like, who the fuck is Kelly? Oh, shit. They don't know anything about Kelly. Yeah. So, of course, this gets everyone's attention. And they're like, well, was Charlie working at the time? And again, Amy refuses to believe that he could have anything to do with it. She refuses to believe that the hospital would withhold any information that would put a patient at risk. Yeah. And the detectives are like, bro, what are the odds that he would work at nine different hospitals and none of them will tell us a fucking thing? About his experience working there. It's so weird. Yeah. And this is like the first time that she finally starts to doubt like her intuition. Like maybe something is up. 
So she goes and she does some investigating of her own and she reaches out to an old colleague that she knows worked at a hospital with Charlie. Okay. They meet up after a night shift, of course, for a breakfast of omelets and Chardonnay. Hey! And it reminds me of Carrie from last episode, Carrie Russell or whatever, yeah. the nurse. She came home and she had the fucking tall glass of white wine Listen, for breakfast. nurses fucking have earned it. After a night shift, I love it. Tall glass of fucking white wine. Breakfast of champions. And she mentions Charlie's name and her fucking friend's face falls. <gasps> Like, you mean the fucking shadow of death? <laughs> so you mean the fucking psychopath weirdo yeah. I had to work with? She's like, it wasn't until he left that the rumors started to spread. Oh. Mm-hmm. So scary. Mm-hmm. So the way she breaks it down is... um, After he left, like... They realized that codes were coming in so frequently during the time that he was there. They were maybe getting like two deaths a month, I think, like you said. Woo! And so after he left, they were like, it was maybe one every couple months. And they're like, obviously something was wrong. And then also they found the little pinholes. Yeah. In the bag. They found the tampered IV bags. Mm -hmm. But at that point, he was already gone. So Amy, of course, goes straight to the hospital and she checks all the bags of fluid in the storage room and she finds the bags with holes in them. Oh, shit. You have to, like, squeeze them. Mm-hmm. Like, you you can hold them yeah. and they won't leak. It's, it's not until you, like, really... Put ab- the pressure. Uh-huh. You can imagine when all of this is too much... For Amy's poor fucking heart. (laughs) That she passes out in the hallway. And I really, honest to God, did not read anything about her having a heart condition. I feel like this is just for the movie. I feel like this is absolutely for the movie. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your flavor. I gave you the tropical because I hate tropical, but I'm also not a fan of the one I picked. What's yours? Citrus. uh, Yuzu Yuzu, Smash. Yeah, mine, tropical palmello. Doesn't really taste like... Oh, I don't. This literally tastes like an orange peel, like a peel, like the the bitter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what you have to endure to get the less carb. Is the bitter? I guess the watermelon lime was fantastic. Well, there you go. I would drink a whole six pack of those. There you go. When Amy wakes up, she's in a hospital bed, hooked up to a bag of fucking fluid. Worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah, after everything you just learned. With Charlie Ugh. by her side, like staring at her. So scary. Is it like nerve wracking? Is it scary so in the scary. movie? You're like, oh, yes, shit. no, her heart's fucking pounding. You can hear it on the machine. It's all beep, beep, beep. <laughs> <laughs> He's reminding her, like, you got to stay calm. You got to breathe, blah, blah, blah. Um, And then she like goes even more into panic mode when he's like here i can go and check on the girls and she's like fuck that right like she like rampages she starts ripping 
all of the hospital shit off. Oh, God. I hate it when people rip IVs out mm-hmm. in movies. It always oh, it makes my skin this crawl. This clearly alerts the other nurses what's going on. And they're trying to convince her to stay and rest. But she won't. And they're like, well, fine. Well, we'll send you home with Charlie. God damn it. Mm-hmm. Like, let him drive you. He offers to sleep on the couch in case she needs anything. But all she needs is for him to get the fuck away. Yeah. She finally goes to Detective Baldwin and Braun and she tells them everything that she found, how he injects the bags with the insulin in the storage room prior to them being administered to the patients. So it's nearly impossible for them to trace it back to him. It could take hours or days before it actually does anything. The detectives need a witness, but Amy can't risk losing her job because she'll fucking die. (laughs) So they make her go undercover and they have her pull the medical reports that were quote unquote destroyed after four weeks Mm -hmm. because she knows better. Problem is, is when they get the reports because they all say canceled. The police are like, well, that's not going to prove anything. Right. And then they don't have a body to link the drugs to because Anna was cremated. Yeah. And that's who they're investigating. So Amy's like, well, what if we get Kelly, the mom? Mm -hmm. So they go to the dad and they have the body exhumed. And that's a whole other fucking cry scene. Mm -hmm. Right. Where he's having to go through that. Um, but even so, they can prove like the presence of insulin and digoxin in Kelly's system, but they need to prove like how Charlie was doing it. Mm-hmm. And so, without her being the eyewitness, they're still like, we don't know that this is actually going to go anywhere. Like, if this is actually going to be enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Somehow, the hospital kind of catches the red flags. That's going up around Charlie. Mm-hmm. And so they fire him. They quote that he like m- typoed on his resume or whatever. Whatever dates he put for a certain hospital were false. So they're like, well, we can't trust anything mm-hmm. on this resume. And he's like, really? That, like, this is what you're firing right. me for? Think, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure. The news of the unemployment goes back to the police station and the head of the department is like, cool problem solved mm-hmm. he's he's fired like awesome but the detectives are like he's worked for nine other hospitals mm-hmm. like just because he's done at this hospital doesn't mean he's done like we yeah. can't let this go so amy goes home and she thinks that she's gonna find the girls with her babysitter but instead she finds them at home with charlie terrifying Amy tells the girls to go to their room and Charlie thinks that she's upset about him being fired. And she's like, look, I just think you're getting too close to the girls. And now that you don't have a job, what if you have to move? Like, I don't want them to get too close to you and like miss you and make this too hard. Right. We need to kind of spend some time apart. We can't let them get too attached. She's, of course... Continuing to work with police and agrees to get wired mm-hmm. for like a conversation. They agree to lunch. They're in their scrubs. 
And when he shows up in Scrubs, she's like, whoa, wait a minute. And he's like, yeah, I'm starting my new job tonight. <laughs> she has to act happy. But obviously he can sense that like something's up. And she's like, you know, ever since you've left the hospital, like people have been talking shit. Yeah. And like kind of confronts him about the whole thing. Like, you know, people are saying this and that. And she's like, you know, if you told me, it would be okay. Like, I would believe you over whatever they're saying. Mm -hmm. He doesn't fall for it. He gets upset, tries to change the subject. He ends up leaving. He's heading to the new job. For whatever reason, the detectives are able to get him arrested on some kind of charges. I don't know. Before he can make it to the new hospital. And, like, it's hardcore. They've got, like, guns drawn. He's hand down. Like, handcuffed the whole thing. Uh, They ask about the dead patients. And he's like, well, I can't tell you anything about patient confidentiality. And they ask his motive, and they insinuate that maybe he chose them because they reminded him of his ex-wife or his mother. And it's like, it's clear it has nothing to do with it. They're all random. Random sex, random age, random everything. Right. They try to stroke his ego, like, you know, you're really smart, and this was a great plan. And, like, you really would have gotten away with it. Oh, my God. You're so amazing. All of this backfires. He has a full-on psychotic episode. He's pounding on the table, screaming, I can't, I can't, I can't, blah, blah, blah. The detectives lose all hope. And so they tell Amy, like, he's going to get released in the morning. And so she decides to go see him. And she's like, look, I see the goodness in him. And so she's like, I apologize for betraying you and like the reason that you're in here. And just like he had wrapped his sweater around her. She wraps his sweater around him. They have this whole moment. And because Amy like really cares about him, his whole body language changes And he kind of gives her a confession. He's like, here's what I can remember. And he gives a list of a few people. And when she asks why, his response is, because they never stop me. Wow. Mm -hmm. We watch Charlie walk away by police escort back to a cell when I read on the screen. To avoid the death sent guilty to the murder of 29 people. Mm-hmm. The real number is believed to be as high as 400. Crazy. Fucking sickening. He never revealed why he did it. He is currently serving 18 consecutive life sentences. And so that the movie was made in... 2022. Yeah. And they say he's currently serving. Yeah. So So he's still alive. Yeah. I figured. He was a nurse for 16 years. And while most of the hospitals had suspicion, none tried to stop him. Crazy. 16 years. Crazy. There have never been any criminal proceedings against the hospitals. Wild. 
as for fictitious nurse Amy. <laughs> she got her heart surgery. <laughs> Thank God. And she lives in Florida. <laughs> All right. With her daughters and her grandchildren. And the movie ends with she's still a good nurse. Ah, so she is the good nurse. Yeah. Okay, Amy. Mm-hmm. So the movie doesn't do fucking shit for, I mean, you get bits and pieces, but the way that they make Charlie Cullen out to be versus the actual. On a side note, I've been hearing the train for five (laughs) minutes now and it hasn't gotten any closer. It's so far away. (laughs) How far away did it start blasting the horn? For a long time. It's been going the whole last last end part of your spiel. I keep waiting for it to get louder and it hasn't yet. No. Mm-mm. All right. Well, first of all, whatever. How many knives do you give it? I really wanted to give it more. Because you liked it was a good movie. It's a good Let's movie. Let's say it's a good movie. Yeah. Because while it's medical, it's not too medical. Right? It's it's right. a story. It's a thriller. You're like, you're invested. I love the idea of like you slowly realizing that Charlie is the problem yeah he's still so nice but, but then you're like oh fuck no the whole so t- scary. we love him he's the good nurse yeah like everything he's doing we love him and that's just it like he never tried to kill the person in the coma right the person that you would want to give the peaceful death to it's the you know, the sing- it's the new mom. It's the elderly woman who's going in for surgery that she absolutely would have recovered from. It's yeah. Like, it's fucked up. Yeah, he's fucked up. It's he's cr- a fucked up person. No, it was so crazy. And I think you didn't get to see any of him, like, torturing animals no. or anything. So for that, I'm going to give it a two. Oh, my God. Okay, so let's do this. Okay, so compared to the case, you give it a two. If there was no true crime case involved, what would you give it? A four. Okay. That's a good movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But again, we're not getting any of the, like, why he is what he is or, or yeah. what His happened. His past yeah. what he was doing. All right. Well, there mm-hmm. you go. Yeah. No, it's Fantastic. A, it's a good movie. It's on Netflix. I'll watch it. Mm-hmm. I'm interested n- now. It's not long. So, yeah. Is there a separate train track from us? <laughs> All right. Tell us your look of the week. Well, that, I mean, I got lucky. So without giving too much away, my husband, let's just say, is no longer in the hospital <laughs> industry. and <laughs> Absolutely for, not. For good reason. Yes. So, yeah. right. I mean. Okay. Anyways. So I have scrubs on deck. I, I have a scrub jacket. I have a Ziploc bag that will fill with fluid. I figure we'll use one of your uh, needles to pretend like I'm oh, poking Oh, I got plenty. It. I know, to poke it in the bag. Yeah. I brought a mask. Wow. Yeah, so we're going to do a full, a whole setup. A full surgical. How exciting. Uh-huh, it'll be a good one. Do we have a pole to put the... Okay, hold on. Are you just going to be holding it? I was. Hold the bag of fluid yeah. with the needle? And, and like yeah. I'm going like to poke a hole in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I yeah. love it. Yeah. What a great idea. Mm-hmm. So it'll be good. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. Cool. That'll I'm waiting be... for the train to go by so <laughs> we can have another train shot. It's coming. <laughs> I can hear it now. It's coming around the bend. All right. We can start to feel it on its track. <laughs> Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm laying in bed. I can kind of feel it a little bit. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. 
Yay! How Cheers. exciting. Cheers. That was a good one. Trains yet? I love it. And on that note, you guys, I mean, with a choo-choo and a boo-boo. <laughs> well, I hope if you, I feel like we've said this a few times now. If you are a mother or, you know, mother you're Earth. A, a plant mother, mm-hmm. if you're a animal, animal mother, mother. Mm-hmm. it all counts. Or if you want to ignore the whole thing because we get that your own too. mother, it's all good. And we have episodes that you can listen to yes. to remind you why it's okay to hate your mother. <laughs> have a drink with us on Mother's Day. Hope you have a good one. Get through it however you have to get through it. We'll see you in a couple weeks mm-hmm. um, to see pictures of this week's episode. Go to THC podcast on Instagram. Slide into my DMs. Hey. Leave us a five star rating if you feel like you want to. But no matter what, we love you and thank you for listening. And we will see you next time. Bye. Goodbye, guys. Choo-choo. Choo-choo. <laughs> have, a great, have a great week. Bye.